Welcome to the Australian Abortion Stories podcast, a place where we can listen to and receive the story medicine of women and people's lived experience of abortion. We're here to decrease stigma, increase empathy and understanding, and to create a better world for all people through these stories. I'm your host, Kelsey, and before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the Ghana and Gadigal people of the lands on which this podcast is hosted. I also extend that respect to the people of the lands on which you are listening from today, and any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person who is listening. It always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. Welcome to this week's episode of Australian Abortion Stories. It is Cassidy today. Um, I took a little bit of a break from the podcast for about a month and a half. And I guess I just want to touch on quickly before we get into this week's episode about how important it is when you are working with big topics like abortion to have those boundaries and know when it is time to take a break. Um, I do a lot (laughs) of talking about abortion in my day-to-day life and like Kelsey, this, this podcast is, I guess, something that we're both very passionate about, but we also have our own stories and sometimes those stories can bounce off of our own stuff and it's important to just take those slow times to integrate and process and editing Hannah's episode has definitely rekindled that fire and that passion and love for this project and I'm very grateful that Hannah's story is out today. We did record it back in late April so it has been a little while um, but There's a lot to this episode. I just want to pop a little trigger warning that there is discussion about coercive control and abuse in this episode. There are links to helplines in the show notes. There's also a link to the state-by-state organisations where you can find information about abortion as well as the link to the article that Hannah wrote for The Guardian about her abortion experience and how her workplace was supportive of her during that time. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say. It is an episode that I'm really glad is making its way out into the world. There was a lot that Hannah spoke to that I think people will find in their own stories and she just speaks so well and... It was just an honour to sit down with her and hear her story. So, uh, as always, know you can stop and pause and go for a walk and take your time. Please feel free to reach out to us with your thoughts about the podcast. Um, You can do so via Instagram, uh, at Australian Abortion Stories. And if you would really like to, you can buy us a coffee. There's a link to that in the show notes as well because Kelsey and I (laughs) definitely do not get paid to do this Um, and we do invest quite a lot of time and energy into keeping this project alive. Uh, So if you would like to help us out in any way, that would be amazing. All right, until then, 
Bye. All right. Okay, today on the podcast, we have the wonderful Hannah. Um, thank you very much, Hannah, for taking time out of your Sunday evening to sit down and have a chat with me. No worries. Um, <laughs> did you want to start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, where you are from and where your story begins? Yeah, sure. Um, I My name is Hannah and I'm based in Melbourne. Um, I do a lot of creative writing and I also work for a charity. Um, but I guess my story begins five years ago when I was working, doing really different work. Um, I was a little bit younger and working kind of in an offshoot of hospitality. And was that also in Melbourne at the time? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny how time passes. Like it's actually quite nice to be doing this five years on, but in a way it feels really recent still and in a way it feels like it's been a long time if that makes sense mm, yep yep did you want to talk us through a little bit about um what life was like at the time of your first pregnancy and yeah I guess how you found out and the beginnings of that yeah sure um interrupt at any point if the story <laughs> goes for too long um so I was working in a, a job that was quite high stress um, and I had, I was in an open relationship um, with a partner at the time who I was quite happy with um, and everything felt like it was going quite well um, and I've learned since that I have um, polycystic ovary syndrome. I got that diagnosis recently. But at the time, I kind of, I'd gone off the pill for the first time in a really long time. Um, I think I'd been put on the pill when I was 12 or something. And I was about 24 or 25 at this time. Um, and I was like, I have been on the pill for 13 years. Like, that's pretty wild to have been on the pill for my whole adolescence. Um, and you kind of start asking yourself questions about like, how much are these hormones affecting me? I have no idea. Um, and I just wanted to go off it for a period of time. Um, and it turns out I don't have a completely different personality, so that's good. Um, but I wouldn't have really known that I had polycystic ovaries unless I'd started doing that because I didn't get my period for about six months. Um, so the pill was kind of masking a lot of things that were sort of going on in my body or with my fertility. Um, but how I got pregnant is, is kind of strange um, because I hadn't had my period for six months. Um, so the like, I guess a big part of my story is that I didn't necessarily have medical staff support me or believe me a lot of the time, which I think is pretty common, which is hard. Um, but yeah, I was with a partner at the time in an open relationship and um, he was quite supportive. Um, and But we hadn't been going out for that long. And I um, slept with someone else, which was within like the bounds of our relationship and stuff. Um, and I took the morning after pill after that um, experience. And then I didn't really realize, I guess, that I'd taken it maybe a little bit too late or something. 
Um, and about five weeks later, I realized I was pregnant. I'm quite like petite. So I showed quite quickly, um, like noticing that my breasts were swollen, I guess when you have a smaller chest is kind of more obvious. Um, and I got pretty like heavy morning sickness pretty early as well. Um, but it was, I guess, it's really easy to enter kind of like open relationships or polyamorous situations and feel really um, hopeful and excited and like rose tinted glasses, but it was pretty stressful to not know 100% who I'd gotten pregnant with um, in that situation. And that definitely complicated things quite a bit. Um, and the partner that I was with at the time just kind of freaked out. Like um, he didn't really cope at all. And the other person who I was still friends with um, was pretty good and responded in a way that was really um, like, I'll always be grateful for how he responded. He was really kind um, and thoughtful and patient. Um, and that was really nice to have in my life. Um, but I kind of, I kind of like was suddenly completely um, unstable in what had been quite a stable relationship. Um, so the person that I was with just immediately kind of launched into, okay, well, we need to get rid of this pregnancy. Like we need to get an abortion as soon as possible. Um, and I'm incredibly like pro-choice. I guess a caveat that I'd like to put on my story is that I'm very pro-choice. I absolutely believe in access to abortion for everyone but it wasn't a straightforward decision for me. And overall, the experience was pretty difficult and negative, which obviously doesn't, that's not everyone's experience. I have friends who um, it's been more straightforward for them. And um, I think we're really lucky, particularly in Victoria, even at that time, like there's not protesters around abortion clinics or anything like that. So especially if you live in the city, there is reasonable access to abortion um, cost is still prohibitive but um but yeah the partner that I was with at the time kind of immediately launched into that being the solution and I think something for me that's really difficult or that I suddenly had to come to terms with was like I'm pro-choice but I don't necessarily feel like I'm being given a choice in this moment if that makes sense um and I'd always had this sort of simplistic view of oh, I'll just get an abortion. You know, if that happened to me, I'd just get an abortion. Um, and you hear a lot of other people say that who've never been faced with that decision either. And it's very easy to say when you're not in the moment. But um, yeah, for me, I kind of felt very like suddenly attached to that pregnancy. And I was 25, nearly 26. So I wasn't, and I was feeling, I was in quite like a good um, position financially. I was in a really stressful but like supportive job um, and it just didn't feel like a straightforward thing for me and then I also had this thing of like not really knowing the paternity and the friends I kind of I spiraled a bit and kind of wished that I knew that it was his so I could just figure out um, what to do with him but I kind of had to carry both people's emotions because I wasn't 100% sure and yeah, the, um, the person that I was dating, even though before that he had not been a controlling partner at all, he really suddenly kind of clamped down a lot um, and showed or 
he re like I guess I don't think he's a monster or a bad person but the way that he responded in that situation was to try and fix things or try and control things and I felt like incredibly suffocated um and he would go as far as kind of making um appointments for me online and putting in my phone number and stuff so I was getting all of the alerts being like you've got you know you've got this abortion booked next week kind of thing um and he would be like it's okay you don't have to go to that appointment but there's another one booked in two weeks so it was like these rolling deadlines and I got pregnant around Christmas as well so it was really hard to get you know that Christmas New Year period where everything's closed um yeah yeah. it was really hard to get into my GP it was really hard to get scans it was really difficult to kind of like gather information and it was pretty, I think I said, yeah, I found out at like five or six weeks. So it was, um, it was pretty early days um, that he kind of had this, like, we need to get rid of it like as soon as possible mentality, which was really suffocating. Um, And eventually I think two weeks later or something, I did get into my GP and she was she was really good and she was able to kind of be like you do have options like you might not feel like you do but you do um and he'd actually come to that or one of the appointments with me and she could and he'd like been answering questions for me and stuff and she just looked at him and she was just like get out I love her I love her too it was pretty amazing she could kind of pick up that tension yeah yeah and how amazing that your GP was able to do that and sort of put give you your voice back like your ability to speak yourself um wow and what were the what were the steps from there had you made a decision by that point or was it very much still undecided and wanting to have the information before making any decision I was still really undecided and wanting to have information but feeling quite kind of chaotic I think if you haven't been in that position before and you don't I guess for a lot of people with unplanned pregnancies you just you're like what like I don't know any of these terms I don't know any I don't know how I'm meant to be behaving um and you know my mind spiraling through all the glasses of wine I'd had in the past couple of weeks and just things like that like a lot of guilt and confusion um but the steps from there were that she I got blood tests to figure out I think exactly how far along I was to check my pregnancy hormones and that was a pretty bad experience I remember the phlebotomist saying um she took my blood and she realized it was pregnancy related and she was like look in my experience don't tell anybody don't talk to anybody about this um, it was that was kind of the first step in or the first experience of you hear people talking about it like pregnant people talking about it all the time that the moment you're pregnant everyone just gives you unsolicited advice and um, tells you what to do so I had blood tests that weren't the, that great and then we had a really really horrible ultrasound where um 
we had to go, well, I had to go to the GP who I did love and build a really good relationship with um, and get a referral to the, to the ultrasound clinic to figure out how far along I was and everything. Um, and it's pretty frustrating that like I got that referral for my GP, which is time and money put in. And then it said considering termination on it. And the guy who didn't, um, the guy who was doing the ultrasound didn't read that at all. And he just, um, he just like, and my partner at the time came along with me. And so he didn't read that we were, you know, considering our options and stuff. And he just went straight into the ultrasound and he put it up on a big wall and he played, I might get teary at this point, sorry. He played the heartbeat really loud and he was like, there's your beautiful baby. Like it's such a healthy pregnancy, blah, blah, blah. And I just, we both started crying because like without warning, it got incredibly humanized, you know, straight away. And that was really hard for me because I was already feeling a bit attached. And then my partner at the time was already feeling really detached. Um, so just the, like, just that experience of that, um, I don't know what they're called, ultrasound technicians or whatever, um, that experience of him just playing the heartbeat and telling us that it was healthy and without asking, he gave me a due date. Um, like all of these things that made it feel really real. Um, and then I was trying to ask questions about like, when do you think conception was? Like, could you give me a date of conception? And this was like, this, this ultrasound cost $200, $250. And I think it's completely reasonable that I wanted to ask him for specific information. <laughs> um, and I didn't want a due date. I didn't want to hear the heartbeat. I didn't want any of that stuff. But I did want to know when conception was because that was an important piece of information for me. And he just turned around and he was like, I'm busy. I don't have time to do the maths. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Oh, yeah, you can swear as much as you like. Go for okay. it. Thanks. I say what the fuck as well. Oh my god. Yeah, and we got out of that, and then um, he was like, "Oh, you know, about six or seven weeks ago." And they ask you really difficult questions that are like um, that you don't necessarily know the answer to. And I don't, I didn't, because I wasn't expecting to get pregnant. I didn't know that you know the your the how far along you are is from ovulation not from conception like even basic things like that I just didn't know um so that was really confusing um and they like all along this people kept saying well when was the first day of your last period and I'm like six months ago <laughs> you know because I hadn't had a period and I can't remember if it was him or if it was someone else but I remember them being like no no you must have had a period you mustn't have just, you just wouldn't have noticed and I'm like um you've clearly never had a period like they're noticeable <laughs> you know um so that was a really just getting gathering that information was expensive and really emotionally tumultuous um and I took a bit of time off work at the time, which um, my workplace was really supportive of, um, which was great. 
And I was actually in a, a pretty male dominated workplace at that time as well. Like I had two um, men as bosses above me and most of my um, colleagues were men. And, but I felt pretty comfortable talking to them at different stages about what was going on. And they were just amazing, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, so the steps from there, I kind of gathered that information. I figured out how far along I was. And my partner at the time was just not coping at all. Um, so I started trying to create distance and get away. Um, we were living together at the time and I ended up just going between like friends' couches or if if someone was going on a holiday or something, I would go sleep at their apartment for a week and just trying to kind of get that space away from someone who was really trying to kind of close in on me and make the decision for me um but that period of time was just really really difficult and I I got pretty delusional to be honest like I was leaning towards keeping it but I just didn't really have support from anyone to do that and um the person I was seeing tried to my partner at the time I guess part of that kind of controlling behavior was that he tried to kind of limit who I was reaching out to and like really tried to kind of close in and be like, we should clearly, you know, we should clearly take care of this. And he would say stuff like, if you really want a baby, we can just, you know, we can just get rid of this one and we can try again. And I'm like, I don't think you understand that I am attached to this pregnancy, you know, because no one, no one can feel that except for you. And it doesn't feel real for anyone except for you um but I would go to bed like on my back and I would wake up holding my stomach and like I just felt physically really attached which I didn't expect at all um but I guess it makes sense obviously not everyone would feel this in the same way but I remember one of my friends being like it makes sense that biologically you're brain and body are kind of geared at this time of your life like peak fertility to you know it it makes sense that your body's reacting in this way so don't you're not crazy um but yeah it was it was a really really hard time and he really pushed and pushed for me to get an abortion and it I surprised myself that I didn't really want one but eventually I, I wore down and I had conversations with different clinics on the phone um, and I had conversations with my GP who was really supportive and we even, we went to couples counselling at one point and he just cried for the full hour um, and the couples counsellor was like, I think you have really great communication and I was like, well, I'm still pregnant and we haven't actually worked through that. So, um, and that feeling of kind of having a ticking clock of knowing that there's a cutoff of weeks where you can't, you know, it's not an option became really hard. So I think it was, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was around 11 or 12 weeks that I kind of caved and thought to myself that I didn't necessarily want to be in that relationship anymore and I didn't want to be attached to that person forever if it was his um but I did some 
I was in a crazy mindset before then or a you know like not a healthy mindset before then like I sent I ordered paternity tests from like in womb paternity tests from Canada because that's the only place you can do it and like um I I had dreams of just running away and like things that were really not feasible but just that kind of like desperation was playing a really big role for me and eventually I booked a surgical abortion and I did go through with it and it was it was really really hard for me because it wasn't a hundred percent it didn't feel like my decision a hundred percent but in that moment it's not just it's not just like you necessarily making choices for yourself you know and I I fully believe that um, women should be able to make choices for themselves, but I hadn't necessarily expected to be in that situation and not feel like I had agency, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, And did you end up having much support at that time, despite your your partner at the time limiting who you were able to speak to? Were you able to still reach out to people and, yeah, I guess call on support? A little bit, but I felt pretty um, isolated and alone and it felt like a pretty big whirlwind of a time, to be honest. And a lot of people are away in December, January. Um, but my mum ended up, I remember like the my partner was like insistent on coming to the abortion. And I was like, I don't want, I don't want you there. Um, but part of me felt like he just wanted to be there to like see it through or make sure that I did it or something. Um, but my mum ended up coming along and he came too. And I just remember, like, this would be hard for her to listen to if she listens to it. But I just remember being silent in the car and just staring at the walls while I was there, like almost having a bit of cognitive dissonance or something. Um, I remember just like wanting to run away and not wanting to be there. Um, But my mum is like an amazing support to me in general, but I don't think she realised how... um, how controlling he had been or I don't think she'd fully I think she was kind of just like doing her best and trying to support me to see the surgery through but yeah I hadn't I hadn't felt like there'd been a huge amount of space with anyone to just talk through the options and even be heard or believed that I could do it by myself if that is what it came to um And in the clinics, I think it's really difficult as well because they don't, like there's so many people who would be stopped from having an abortion, you know, and I think like so many people's families who would be controlling in the other way. Um, So I think they have a lot to look out for, but I remember there's like counsellors within the clinics and you go in before like or during the appointment Um, and fill out a questionnaire and one of them was like I was just ticking what I think were all red flags (laughs) like it was like is this your choice and I was like no and it was like do you want to be here no 
um, have you had all your options explained to you? No. Um, and that didn't, for whatever reason, kind of spark the conversations that I was, I think, trying to call out for. Um, but yeah, it's my GP, to be honest, was my main kind of support through the pregnancy. Um, but it felt so scattered between different medical experiences and different people's opinions. And um, it felt really hard at any point to kind of sit down and be like, I don't want this, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. The complexity at that time, I think, is something that is often not spoken to and how when you are experiencing it, particularly what you were speaking about, how there's all these new terms that you have to learn and it's if you are faced with having to make the choice where do you go to talk about that or be heard about that you know if your immediate relationships if there's no one in you know your close network that you feel like can understand you um extremely complex there and there is no black and white at all um what was your experience like post the surgical abortion? Did you did you choose surgical abortion because of the how far along I was? I think yeah, yeah, from memory. Um, What's your recovery like after that? And I guess how did you feel? And um, what were people's responses to you having experience an abortion? Yeah, I think the physical recovery was a bit harder than I thought it was. Um, and I think like a common theme for me or something that I was just suddenly exposed to was how I think it's really difficult in that space for people working in that space that like we've had to protect the right to abortion so hard and not want to create any more stigma around it, that often it's really hard for them to actually explain some of the physicality to you in a way that doesn't, like, scare you. I think that that balance of them trying to prepare you and not trying to scare you is really difficult, I imagine. Um, but the actual abortion was just not a particularly pleasant experience. And I remember, like, just lying in bed beforehand um, in scrubs or whatever and just having pretty pretty horrible thoughts like I'm not a very angry person but um, I was kind of like like I hope that he has to beg someone someday for a baby which is a horrible thing to say but that's kind of how dark my thoughts were at that time and and also I was thinking a lot of like what if this never happens to me again you know and psychologically, that was really difficult in the recovery as well. Um, but physically, um, physically, I I didn't bleed too heavily, but I got like a really upset stomach for two days. So I was on the toilet for like two days afterwards. Um, and it's pretty tricky, because, like part of that balance of them not wanting to stigmatize it, but not necessarily knowing how much to tell you that they generally tell you you'll be fine after 24 hours. Um, and I know people, and I wrote about this in that article um, when I spoke to friends who had gone back to work the next day, you know, 
And similarly with like with medical abortions, I've heard a lot of people talk about just how much blood there can be and how draining that is on someone's body. Um, and even anesthetic with um, a surgical abortion, like going into day surgery is taxing on someone's body, you know, and it's not necessarily a good idea to to only give yourself a day of recovery um but that was difficult i um i ended up going to the the other person who may have got me pregnant's house and he was just much more gentle um and like because you have to be around someone um after like as anesthetics wearing off you have to be around someone for the rest of the day so I went to his house and he made me a cup of tea and helped me lie down. And it was January, so it was like 46 degrees. Um, it was one of those really hot days. Um, but I spent that day just with him as a friend um, being taken care of, which was really nice. And then just emotionally after that, I really struggled. Um, it was a bit of whiplash, I think. And I'd really held myself before that as like a strong feminist woman who doesn't kind of allow men to make decisions for her. And I'd really felt a huge loss of agency um, around the abortion. And even during like they, they probably didn't mean it at all, but I perceived like all of the medical staff like laughing at me as they put me to sleep um I remember one it was like 9 a.m in the morning and they were like good night and laughed and they were probably just trying to be friendly but in that moment I felt so small and like um such a lack of agency and I almost for a while kind of felt like really not I didn't feel like I could relate to the person that that experience had just happened to if that makes sense um and then for me, because the ultrasound technician had given me a due date, I found that really hard. And I found the, the term of the pregnancy really difficult. So kind of, I, I kept getting morning sickness for a while, which was tricky. Like I just had really high levels of horm pregnancy hormones still in my body. Um, and yeah, it was really difficult. I think I've experienced like I know these terms now but I didn't at the time but I think I experienced some kind of like body dysmorphia because I just remember being like I should be big and like voluptuous and like pregnant you know um and instead I was quite like I, I was quite depressed and I wasn't eating enough and I got quite like skinny and small and that contrast of how I thought I should be looking at whatever stage of my pregnancy versus how I was actually feeling in my body it was a really difficult contrast. Um, people reacted differently. I think most people, most of my close friends, when I talked to them, were really surprised about how difficult things have been with my partner and kind of um, people started being like, that's abuse, that's coercive control, like all of these things where at the time it just felt like, a really difficult situation but in hindsight friends were kind of like that's not okay at all and the grief of how he behaved and the grief of um of like I refer to it as losing a pregnancy because that's how it felt for me 
um, just processing all of that was really, really difficult. And I'm really glad that, you know, your podcast exists and that there's more things like this around now because at the time all I could find that explored the complexity of different people's experiences was like abortion is healthcare, it's great, blah, 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 or which I believe, but that's not everyone's experience, or, you know, religious right. If you feel any grief or any negative emotions, that's because abortion's a terrible thing. And it felt like there was nothing in the middle and nowhere to kind of put my feelings. And I generally also told people that I'd lost a pregnancy because they responded in the way that I felt, you know. Like if people think you've had a miscarriage, people share the grief with you. But if you just say, I had a termination, people like, oh, okay, great, chip chop, like glad you could take care of that. And that's not how I felt at all. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Um, that, yes, sharing, and I agree, sharing that you lost a pregnancy, the way that people respond to that um, and that there is no, <laughs> that gray area of, also how people just respond to the news of someone having an abortion it's always it's almost like they share this relief it's like mm. they're like oh so glad you were able to do that and um there is space for that but there are also people who like yourself like it is a very very big thing to experience and often the feeling on the other side isn't relief um yeah so thank you and I am also glad this podcast is <laughs> I am very very glad that Kelsey started it because um yeah I think if this had existed you know a few years ago my gosh the difference that could have made to hopefully potentially make people feel a little bit less alone um what was I going to say? Oh, did you want to share a little bit about, you mentioned the article that you wrote. So you did write an article for The Guardian about how your workplace was supportive of you having a traumatic abortion. Did you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I studied journalism and I'm a writer and it's something that I've kind of picked up and put down over the years, but it was a really writing that article was quite a cathartic thing to do at the time. Um, and I guess I just started talking to other people who had either had abortions or gone through um, lost pregnancies or whatever, and just suddenly feeling a lot less alone or at least like really connecting with people in that grief. Um, it was a really, really low time for me, but I also, did make these quite deep connections with people I guess because the sometimes like um sometimes you can be in quite a real and reflective space I guess when you're deeply sad as well or grieving um but I started talking to other people about their experiences and being like there's so much that's not being said um so I pitched a, an article to the Guardian and I really didn't want to um, put too much kind of focus on the personal aspects of my story at that time. I didn't think I was ready and I didn't want to kind of ostracize my ex 
um, or focus too much on that. So I guess one of the things that I was thinking about as well was that was kind of topical and relevant to The Guardian was that I ate up all of my sick leave in this process, you know, and then I started going through all of my, um, all of my annual leave and just thinking like being a woman fucking sucks or being someone who can get pregnant is so difficult. Um, just that you have yours, like a lot of people don't tell their employers um, that they are pregnant. A lot of people don't tell their employers that they've had an abortion. Like they don't want to be seen as trying and potentially lose their job. Um, there's so much politics wrapped up in um, being able to disclose either a pregnancy or a loss of pregnancy, which is a real shame. Um, and I think, yeah, it was something that I focused on a little bit was that um, my workplace was really supportive and that should be normal. Like that should be, there should be some kind of, you know, I think you should almost be able to take a few weeks of grievance leave or something um, if you, I think they've brought that in now. They've actually brought in quite a few things in Victoria since um, since I, I had a termination. Like you can now get a birth certificate of a lost pregnancy, which I think is really beautiful um, because it doesn't, like you don't get a, you don't get a funeral, you don't get a grave, no one else, thought that that was a person to them you know so you're just really alone in the grief um so I think it's like I cried when I read that news that the Victorian government had brought in um that you can get a birth certificate even no matter how many how far along you are in your pregnancy um and I think in Victoria you can also if you are happy to disclose um there is leave it might be just around miscarriages but um at that time like I was really struggling with keeping up with a stressful job that I'd set really high expectations around and also kind of going through like the physical and emotional pain of having lost my pregnancy um and one of my colleagues was like please can I give you my sick leave um which is beautiful and he's he was like you know a man in his 40s um who I felt really comfortable talking to and is still a friend. Um, but just the fact that he offered that was was beautiful and heartwarming and, you know, for stupid bureaucratic admin reasons, he wasn't allowed to give me my sick, his sick leave. But um, it's, I just remember thinking at the time that you sh it shouldn't even be a consideration. You know, you shouldn't have to weigh up all of that bullshit um and I wasn't I wasn't really eating I wasn't really sleeping like I wasn't okay you know I wasn't in a place to go to work um and I think I can't even remember I, I only had a couple of weeks off and then I ended up dropping down to part-time and um in the longer term I actually wasn't able to do my job anymore um and I left and it was that was a horrible feeling as well to be like I have all of this like financial burden and ongoing issues and it can feel really unfair to feel like my ex didn't necessarily have to sit with all of that like um but yeah um I did write about the fact that they they let me have as much time off as I needed 
Um, I could just email them and say, like, I've got a medical emergency. I'm not okay. Whereas there was friends who worked in hospitality who um, in really male-dominated environments who, like, one one woman that I know um, miscarried in the public bathrooms at work and just went back to work with, like, wiping blood off her legs kind of thing. And she worked in a really misogynistic, horrible place where she didn't even feel comfortable telling anyone that she was pregnant um, to begin with and she'd had a planned pregnancy. Um, and other people, like, having, you know, medical abortions and going back to work the next day and being on their feet for a whole night shift, you know, and being dehydrated and just kind of having these cultures, which I think are getting better of people not talking about things or people not feeling comfortable or this idea that, like, don't bring your shit to work kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I wrote a little bit about how my workplace had been really supportive and how I really hope for that for everyone. I did read the article and... Yes, I would definitely, maybe I can put a link to it in the show notes for this episode because it was, um, yeah, very beautifully written as well. And I'm so glad that that exists and that the culture is slowly changing. Did you want to speak to, I guess, your, because it has been some time now, been about three or four years since your experience nearly five nearly five yeah did you want to talk to I guess the Kelsey and I talk about this a lot is that sort of the time after the abortion and how your story can change and evolve over time and I guess what uh, like your experience was post your abortion to now and what that sort of five year you know yeah what that sort of five year time looks like yeah it looks sure. late at night my brain is like I should it should have made a cup of tea or something <laughs> <laughs> and we're on daylight savings like it's just changed it's telling me it's only 7 p.m and I'm like that's lies it's <laughs> late um but yeah if you wanted to talk a little bit about that yeah, sure. It definitely does change. Um, I think it felt raw for a really long time. Um, it felt quite raw and difficult for at least six to 10, maybe even 12 months. Um, like the first and like the first time the due date came around, that was really difficult. The first anniversary of the abortion itself was really hard for me. Um, I had some kind of shitty relationships in the first year, I think, of trying to get back into dating and not necessarily having the trust in people in the same way. Um, but I think it did really confirm to me that I really did at some point want a child. So in some ways that's at least now I can look back on that and feel like that was a really positive outcome in some ways um, but it took me a long time to stop thinking that I'd kind of let other people take that away from me um, at the time um, 
since then, I guess um, I was in a relationship for a while that was like quite a good, quite a good stable relationship and that restored my ability or my faith in romance and trust a little bit again. Um, we're not together anymore, but it was, that was really helpful um, in terms of kind of moving through aspects of that traumatic experience. Um, and then we had COVID, which is a whole thing <laughs> since then. Um, so time is like a little bit elastic in that way because it's been a weird couple of years. But um, I'm now nearly 31 and the polycystic ovary syndrome, PCOS, um, that was difficult news and that process was a little bit difficult. Like I find um, getting an internal ultrasound, being touched in ways similar to the abortion is, is hard for me sometimes. Like I would never be able to get an IUD put in. I don't think I would, I would find that really difficult. Um, but even, even pap smears and things can, can kind of, can make me feel really uncomfortable and, and fragile. Um, but it has gotten easier as the years have gone on. Um, I didn't necessarily ever resolve things with my ex, um, which, which is difficult because I think ultimately he was a nice person, but just the way that we both didn't cope in that situation was was really hard. So I had to put pretty clear boundaries around not speaking to him um, again. Um, and the polycystic ovary syndrome thing was difficult because kind of in those moments before the abortion, I did have those thoughts of like, what if it's hard for me to get pregnant in the future? Um, what if I'd never get pregnant again? And this is my only chance um, to be a mother. And it's hard to know that um, the state of my ovaries means that it might be hard to get pregnant. Um, but because I'm 31 and single, I made a decision pretty recently to freeze my eggs. Um, so I'm going to go through that in the next couple of months. And I think there'll be aspects of that, like going into day surgery and things that will be really difficult, but it also feels, or at the moment it's feeling really empowering to be able to make a choice for myself um, and to not have to kind of negotiate with male partners or um, not have to, yeah, justify that to anyone. Um, so that's feeling like a really positive thing that I'm kind of privileged to be in the position to to do for myself so kind of having that confirmation that I do really want to have a kid at some point when I'm ready and that this is something that I can do to kind of firm that up in the future is feeling is feeling really positive at the moment um, and you have to kind of like eat healthily and exercise and drink water and sleep well and do all the general healthy things around like just before you start the egg freezing process so um I'm kind of enjoying that at the moment as well um but yeah I am I, I definitely hold hope that I will get pregnant in the future through whatever means and I really believe in myself that I could do it alone if I had to as well 
I, I hope that for you. And I also believe, yes, you would be able to do it. Um, thank you so, 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 so much for sharing. Um, there has been a lot to this episode, but I think you just spoke to a part of abortion that um, isn't spoken about very much. And I'm really glad that we were able to line up the time to talk um, I know it has, we've been going back and forwards for a while. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was like, I moved, you had a wedding, you were sick, mm. I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> As is the way, I think, with every single episode, it's like I've been emailing someone for like, we've been pen pals for three or four <laughs> months and then we finally get to sit down. So thank you for, yes, taking the time and for, for sharing your story is there anything else that you wanted to share before we finish up today? Um, I think just thank you and Kelsey so much for making the space. And I definitely um, found it really difficult around the time of trying to make a decision that there just wasn't um, easy to find kind of resources that spoke about people's experiences, not just um, kind of, you know, facts on a page. Um, and also after, after the abortion, it was really hard to, to be experiencing grief and feelings of loss and only be able to find kind of, you know, religious right propaganda against abortion. So I'm really glad that this exists. And I guess if anyone's listening and it brought up anything for them, it's just nice to know that, like, none of us, are alone even if even if you felt alone or um if you are feeling alone at the moment which I definitely felt at the time that that there is people who've experienced this like and the most that like the the thing that I'm most appreciative of is just being able to talk about it and it gets easier to talk about it over time um and I did go um I eventually found something in Melbourne that was it was like a grief circle specifically for pregnancy loss and that was one of the best things that I did because they even asked like if you want to put if you'd named that pregnancy or if you'd named that baby you can put you can write the, the name down on a piece of paper and just doing things like that to to validate your experience um, you know like taking quiet time to to really acknowledge um, the loss if that is a feeling that's that's coming up for anyone is is something that you're 100% entitled to do. I think that's the only other thing I'd want to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, we might leave it there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I think we put something up in our on our Instagram the other day and just said, you know, what topics would you like? us to have in future episodes whether that be sort of Kelsey and I chatting about them or in episodes and I know that from the responses that we had um, and from what I've spoken to people about that your story is going to relate people are going to relate and I think that they're going to find pieces of their own story and I'm, I'm really glad that yeah you told your story and that it will be out there for people. 
Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Australian Abortion Stories. It is my hope and prayer for this podcast that the generous sharing of this story and all abortion stories may create positive ripples in our world to help reduce abortion stigma, increase understanding and empathy of people and women who have had abortions and ultimately lead to a better world for humankind. If listening to this story has brought anything up for you, I encourage you to reach out to your support networks and take care of yourself. Go for a walk, sit in the sun, have a cup of tea, whatever you need to do, um, go do it. And I'll also provide some links in the show notes of phone lines and services you can access if you need. If you got something out of this episode, please share it to your socials or share it with somebody you think may benefit from the story or leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. You can also help contribute to ongoing podcast costs, aka Zoom's empire, by using the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes or in our Instagram page. If you're interested in sharing your own abortion story on the podcast, you can submit an expression of interest form via the link in our show notes or in our Instagram. And lastly, but not leastly, <laughs> um, we'll see you in another week or fortnight's time with another episode. So until then, take care of yourself and take care of each other.